welcome back to our little podcast. Woohoo! It's episode 11, and you are listening to Chemist Confessions. Um, we're actually really excited for today's podcast because last week we whisked Gloria all the way off back to the East Coast so that she could attend an SEC event where the FDA gave an update on the new proposed sunscreen regulation. Yeah, so it's very important for those of you who don't know, SEC stands for Society of Cosmetic Chemists. Mm. So it's basically where our peers, we all gather. Sometimes they have events on industry news, trends, and in this case, on regulation. Yeah, so um, expect most of this podcast to really cover that topic, um, especially with the news that came out about sunscreen filters potentially being in your bloodstream. Um, So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty details of that. Um, But first, uh, most importantly, Gloria, what are we drinking today? (laughs) So guys, uh, we do this thing where we want to make ourselves a drink, and we didn't prep for it, so we just opened up the pantry Mm -hmm. and see what we have and what kind of cocktails we could come up with. Mm my specialty is the trash teeny where I mix Gatorade with vodka. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what I'm having today. No. Today, <laughs> I decided to make myself a white Russian. Mm. But we don't got milk, so it's an oat milk white Russian. Mm. That's how Victoria feels about the drink. I think it's doing great. What are you drinking, Victoria? Yeah, um, so today, uh, I made myself some chamomile tea. Oh, why are you so wholesome? (laughs) And yes, it does have a splash of whiskey. Um, So I'm doing great. Um, (laughs) I will say I'm not proud of our trash teeny formula sometimes. No, okay. So before I set on oat milk, I found some soft serve, Costco soft serve. Oh, my God. It's like watching a train wreck happen. Well, then I figured it's like, you know, like a creamier white Russian, right? (laughs) (laughs) Don't do this at home, kids. You definitely hear that after Gloria takes a swig of that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, let's get to it. Other than the sunscreen stuff, um, today we'll still have all the good bits of our podcast. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with the news. Yes, the news. Today, (laughs) the news. So today it's actually relatively sleepy in terms of business and branding side. It's Um, early in the year. It's the Q1 stuff. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So um, today I figured we'd just focus on a few product launches. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing, or I guess first brand that we want to highlight is Paula's Choice. Mm -hmm. They've definitely got a couple things that we should highlight. Um... They're in a mood, is all I can say. (laughs) They just launched a product that has 20% niacinamide, um, which has Gloria and I being like, "Uh, that's like taking the niacinamide train and just throwing a bunch of dynamite on it. (laughs) Just trying to like make it happen for, I mean, they already have um, a few niacinamide serums. Right. I think they have in some creams and they have that 10% booster, booster, Mm -hmm. which I already think it's really high. high. Mm-hmm. 20% is like overkill times a thousand. Yeah. Granted, yeah. they did do a clinical on it, um, seeing how it could help refine pores. So uh, granted, this seems to be positioned more in terms of pigmentation because you've got things like licorice root extract. Mm. Um, you've got the asorbyl glucoside. So a quick decode that IL there. Um, licorice yeah. root extract is one of the few extracts that 
we do think is decent. It has mm-hmm. interesting data. Mm-hmm. It's definitely shown a lot more activity than most food food extracts out yes. there. And uh, ascorbyl glucoside is um, regulated in Japan mm-hmm. as a uh, they call it quasi drug, which is mm-hmm. basically like our OTC products mm-hmm. as a whitening ingredient. So it is even though it's a vitamin C derivative, it does have efficacy in the brightening department. Yeah, and you'll find a lot of those in a lot of the Japanese products. Mm-hmm. So. That's kind of how we would see this more as and not necessarily something that is meant as kind of like the all well-rounded skin barrier, um, I guess, treatment, you would say. So I guess like for our stance, we are a little bit wary of this trend of just jacking up all these ingredients to as high as possible. You guys may have noticed a couple of our posts last week that really touch on the idea of how you know, transparency is great. We're seeing percentages great. But now, you know, it's way past the threshold of what it should be. Right. And now we feel like it's further confusing people who are trying to get an effective amount. Right. But also manage irritation. Right. Right. So for everyone's information, niacinamide is well tested from the between 2% to 5%. Mm. So having 20, uh, 20% absolutely does not mean you get four times the efficacy. That's yeah. just not how actors work yeah, or how such ingredients a good point. work. Yeah. So that's why we feel like kind of eh about this trend. It's Yes. So if you guys want to try this out, if you're new to niacinamide, we will probably not recommend this as a starting point. And if you guys have already tried something this high works for you, great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, it's like goes back to, you know, if you are looking for another pigmentation solution to try, maybe, you know, um, we honestly, it might be better as just a booster to your pigmentation active rather than making this your sole pigmentation fighting uh treatment and guys this trend is just a little scary for us because niacinamide um is a very very water soluble ingredient Mm. so like you can easily make a product with like 50 percent niacinamide but who's that helping really so also it doesn't feel great (laughs) no it feels gross like too much niacinamide does not feel great guys it feels for um, me it feels filmy and then Mm. i get itchy because i don't like that feeling Mm, yeah so that's just their first product oh and then they also (laughs) (laughs) the other thing they've added um, is an electrolyte moisturizer. So, so cool. Very Jumping trendy. on the we 2020 like trend. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's about electrolytes. I feel like we should have some sort of board mm-hmm. where we just see what brands hit the trends. Like, mm. I don't know if it's like a bingo card or a betting pool. I kind of like the bingo card idea. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be fun. Because we can we're start betting seeing... pool. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So that's it for Paul's Choice. Um, herbivore double down on their prism cool very cool (laughs) and uh, they came out with a um glow facial um and i believe it's a wash off acid treatment in a jar Mm -hmm. with 20 percent ahas and five percent bha but do know that these are in the fruit extract form and just know that whether or not they're actually hitting that percentage it's hard to really very cool guys <laughs> i like it solid percentages all around so what you should hear is Gloria in gloria's hesitation <laughs> is the fact that these are all um in fruit extract form so Ooh. how much of that actually translate to the real aha component we're not too sure 
Well, so it's the BHA also in extract form. Yeah, the willow bark. Oh, extract. very cool. So to give you guys an idea of what we're kind of discussing is know that a hundred percent willow bark extract basically equates to about 10% salicylic acid. Mm-hmm. So this is why we're very hesitant with fruit extracts. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's really hard for us to gauge if you're getting it at an efficacious level. Again, we like seeing percentages and we think transparency yeah. is very cool. But <laughs> I feel like brands that do these kind of um, these type of percentages is just really confusing mm, the public on what yeah. they really need. Yeah. So they... Let's say someone does really well with twenty percent acid. They might, um, they might be surprised that this does nothing for them because it's probably a, a bit lower than that. Yes. But what if someone starts on this pro- uh, product and feels like, oh wow, my skin really likes this percentage? Then they want to go up. Then they reach for something that actually has thirty percent acid and burns their face. That is actually such a good point because we got a question about that with glow recipes Mm -hmm. um that pineapple serum oh very cool yeah (laughs) and she was asking because she was like you know my friend had this glowing review about the serum Mm -hmm. it touts 10 percent ha's and for me it did nothing and i just don't understand why the feedback is so different right but when you dig a little deeper, ask her about routine, she had been used to AHAs. And right. it makes so much sense because that one's another one that's like uses, I believe. I think a sugar cane extract or ex- is it the pineapple juice extract? I think it's the pineapple okay. extract along with maybe a small component of AHAs. Mm-hmm. So it's like it definitely would be much more gentle. And I think that's just the best example of right. that scenario. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, so just be a little bit wary, and that's why we do our best to decode that IL. <laughs> Never stop decoding. I will try to not be cynical and continue to decode. <laughs> All right, and just to top it off, this will be great for Gloria. For Solly, just launched another serum of sorts. Um, it's called For Solly's Liquid Powder Oil Balancing Serum. Um, and with this, just know that they tout that it has witch hazel tonic, um, so it gives you a little bit of sal acid, and it's got this potassium azaloyl diglycinate, which is considered a derivative of azelaic acid. Mm. Um, so, you know, the idea is that it helps manage oil. Um, but if you look at the ingredient list, um, what you see is actually just a lot of powders. And that's why I wanted to highlight this one, because I think overall, I have to say this brand should be makeup. It should be like makeup plus, not even like hybrid skincare. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, to t- read you the top couple of ingredients, you have water, uh, which hazel. And then you have silica in your right. third ingredient. And silica is an oil-absorbing powder. Mm-hmm. So don't use this if you're dry. It's going to make you so dry. Yeah. Hold up. Okay, sorry. I'm just reading the full <laughs> full ingredient list now. Guys, other than silica, it's got... Let me just give you the deal on all the powders. It has mm-hmm. silica, hectorite, mumarillonite, kaolin. Yep. They're all powders and all, all oil absorbing powders yeah and they all come before phenoxyethanol well yeah. which is our like gold for pretty standard around one percent mm. mark which means these powders are all in there at probably higher than one percent right so so again this is where i have to say like for a person who 
you know, has really shiny skin by mid-afternoon. Um, I honestly think oil-absorbing powders are nice to go to an event mm. to help manage that so you don't look like a disco ball by 3 p.m. But this is not something that I'd want to use day-to-day because I do feel like it does make skin worse, yeah. ultimately. Um, so, wow, this turned into a, a negative news <laughs> A decode that IL party, <laughs> a rapid yeah. fire about Woo. new products. So this is our decode that IL news and decode that IL tip segment, guys. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, those are just some thoughts on some new launches. Obviously, you know, if you are curious or feel like one of these products will fit for you, are fit for your skin and your skin concerns, just get a sample. Who knows? You yeah, know? you know, and like we always say, listen to your skin. Um, like Victoria said, well, we, I'm really dry, so if I see that much powder in a product, I want to just curl up in a ball and cry. Also, um, for Sally is not Gloria's favorite brand. <laughs> so transparent. I was trying. I was trying to cover up the earth for Sally. I'll cut it out. Don't worry. <laughs> That's okay. For Sally's not my favorite brand, guys. <laughs> Unicorn serum. <laughs> to it all started with the unicorn serum. It all serum. started with the <laughs> unicorn serum. All right. Um, um, but let's move on. Uh, I think. More importantly, let's just get to the meat of today's episode. Um, this is all about the recent FDA update. Um, they basically did a joint study to see whether or not chemical sunscreen filters um, are, I guess, how they are being absorbed in the skin and how much of it is mm-hmm. being abs- absorbed into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we let Gloria kind of share everything that she learned, we should just give everyone a summary of um, kind of the latest FDA update um, to their bloodstream study. So here are some stats on the actual test. Um, there were 48 part- participants that were divided into four groups of 12, um, and each group tried a different product. So they have four products total. They had a lotion, an aerosol spray, a non-aerosol, and a pump spray. Um, so those are the groups. What they do is apply sunscreen to 75% of their body, and then they apply it once the first day, go to sleep, wake up, shower in the morning and then collect a blood sample then after that they will wait 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 hold hold. shower in the morning shower in the morning yep you sleep in sunscreen that's cool (laughs) and then you know after they take your blood sample then they actually go through the four applications Mm -hmm. um spaced over eight hours then go to sleep rinse and repeat literally mm-hmm. so um they did that for a span of four days and in this study they were able to test for six chemical filters you have avabenzone octocrylene oxybenzone homosalate octisalate and octinoxate um just it it sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo but just know that these are kind of the main chemical sunscreen filters that really just get put on blast in a lot of um sunscreen articles Oh, um, good. Better. Good that you said that because I was about to say mommy blog. <laughs> <laughs> and, mm, sorry. Yeah. So, um, all right. Yeah. So, and then know that um, the magic number is 0.5 nanograms per mil. That mm. is the 
basically the threshold that is allowed, um, the amount of filter that is actually allowed in the bloodstream. Right. After one application of these sunscreens, each of these um, were actually over the threshold. Yeah, every um, single one of them. When was. they collected the plasma. So um, that's why all if you were seeing the news, you might see some crazy headlines, which we'll share later. Um, but yeah, definitely I'm going to hand it over to Gloria so she can talk about, yeah, what did the FDA say about it? <laughs> yeah, so um, we understand that this, this is a very, very touchy subject at yeah, the moment. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, the FDA started a sunscreen monograph um, way back I in the 70s. Mm. And that's basically been the guidelines that the industry has been using for the past however many years, like yeah. four decades. Yeah. But that was actually a proposed monograph. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the final ruling. Mm-hmm. And the final monograph has been making for a thousand years since I was a wee child. Yes. Yeah. So it's been pushed back again. So these, um, the new rulings were supposed to be in, um, basically pushing you uh, into action by end of 2019. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen right now. It's looking <laughs> like the new rules are coming into play September 2020. I do not believe. <laughs> no one believes. Yeah. Um, but just know that the thing is, it, it, I can't understand from the public. Like These studies sound really alarming, mm. but there's a, a few things, a few nuances in there that... Um, it's kind of a moving target right now, right? right? So first, first of all, um, a lot of these absorption test protocols and standards were actually not set up until the nineties. Mm. So these are all relatively recent. Right? Yeah, and and just to give you guys an idea, is in the research world that would mm. be considered relatively new. Yeah, it just takes a really long time to substantiate your data mm-hmm. um, after going through review, so that you know in our terms you may think that oh man that's been so long like what takes them so long this is it's actually kind of normal we're yeah. we're, we're not surprised as researchers so right it just does and understand that like biology medical field mm. has real and even like genomics has really taken off in the past 20 or so years so a lot of things are new and it's moving because we are still learning every day um, so with the sunscreen study, so in the 90s is when they first um, proposed absorption testing mm. standards. And before that, it's basically largely believed that skin just doesn't absorb very well. Mm. And for most things, it's pretty true, right? So then recently, um, they, they started doing these um, more, more of these tests. Mm. That's when the papers came out about mm. these absorption. Mm. So then on the flip side of these absorption studies, um, Victoria, I'll share with you the protocols of kind of nutty, a lot of heavy application, then sleeping with it in uh, on body. These these type of study designs, is um, they are meant to emulate the max absorption yeah. um, situation. Exactly. Right? These people are applying it on... I believe seventy five percent. Yeah. So basically, body. everything minus bikini area right. level of sunscreen. They were they were applying the exact dose uh, that's officially FDA recommended mm-hmm. um, to the whole body, which is um, which is the right thing to do as a as a as a standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, if they apply it so heavy handed to such a large area, 
And if the results fall under the standard, then we can all go to sleep and say, okay, like mm, nothing to see here. Right. right? The but, idea is to test right. the most stringent criteria. Essentially, like a, if you swim in a tub of sunscreen yeah. for like four hours, exactly. what would it look like? Yeah. Kind of study design. Um, so after all those results came out, the shit hit the fan. You know? <laughs> People freak out. And I th- and and just for a moment, let's just take a second to be like, poor FDA. You know, like I can't imagine number who has to take those calls. Oh my god. Right, right. Talk about like understaffed, like being pressured by the press. Yeah. And also it's both ends. It's both press and suppliers. You yeah. know? And and Honestly, beauty corporations. It's like, what do we do with this information on every end, you know? So, yeah, I agree. Right. So, um, so to sum up right now, it's kind of a hot mess mm. because these standards and these tests are kind of new. And I should mention that another another thing that was kind of touched on in, <clears throat> in this meeting is that the 0.5 nanograms a milliliter yeah. number. That's like the magic number for, to be considered they they call it grace. I've been calling it grass, but it's basically <laughs> um, the uh, the FDA definition of generally regarded as safe and effective, right? Um, as in the most vanilla chemical ever that you can think of. I actually pulled up the official definition here, so mm-hmm. I'll read it to you guys. It's the it's the zero point five nanogram per mil threshold was selected because the approximated cancer risk associated with plasma concentrations below this threshold would be less than one in 100,000th after a single dose. So that's, they literally were trying to make sure it's as stringent as possible, like how little of a chance for it to cause, to have even pose a cancer risk. Right, basically yeah. anything that might affect a cellular change. Right, and um, that is a broad sweeping statement. <laughs> yeah, so note that this number is not ingredient specific, right. which is kind of a big flaw right now mm. because obviously concentration matters and mm. type of ingredient also matters. That's mm. why we talk about 2 to 5% niacinamide, like, 10 to 20 percent AHA the con the, the molecule itself really matters mm. um so in this context they use the same number mm-hmm. so now the now the the talk is okay so what is that number for right. different ingredients which is a can of worms can of worms can of worms <laughs> <laughs> and also to give you guys an idea of the differences um they talk about I think they they point out about how even after one application, Mm -hmm. it's over the threshold, right? And um, I think on average, a lot of them are like um, seven nanograms per mil. Um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, oxybenzone was the only one that was like in the 200 nanograms per mil. But also know that the formulas tested um, had different percentages of the ingredients, you know. And so it's just honestly, I think if anything... The only takeaway from this is that, okay, it gets in the bloodstream. It doesn't Mm. hit the 0.5 nanogram per mil mark. Uh, We really need to rethink this. So, yeah. Right. So that's honestly the scary thing is, and this is why we don't believe the final monograph is coming out September this year. Because honestly, it just... It just sounds like we are scratching the surface of where our understanding needs to be. Ultimately, what's kind of... This is where I struggle, right? Like, we tell people, you definitely just, you still need to wear sunscreen every day. Skin cancer is more of the, it, it, it is the proven evil in this equation. Right. And 
But I under we understand like the the knee jerk reaction because mm-hmm. it sounds like oh my god they don't know. But that's kind of the nature of science as yes. you you learn as you go, right? The more the more um, info comes out, the better we understand it. Mm-hmm. What's really good about this is that um, is because of all the attention they are moving really fast both in the so the in the industry the cosmetic industry is working very very closely with the fda right Mm. now so basically how that dynamic works as i learned from this workshop is um the personal care council they go back and forth with fda on the monograph basically fda gives them a list of information gaps that they will like the industry help fill mm-hmm. for these sunscreen ingredients to be reconsidered yes. as um as safe and effective mm. again and um so that's the thing that's a little a little scary for everyone in the industry is that um if these data gaps don't get filled on time and the data gaps is not it sounds again it's not fully um the studies themselves are a little flawed so it's not like oh okay we need this data so mm-hmm. let's go run it and then ta-da we're done mm-hmm. it's like not that simple mm-hmm. um so with that the fda and the industry is still kind of doing the tango and at the same time they're not stopping doing studies mm-hmm. so we will see a lot more come out in 2020 right um but yeah and i to add on to that i think what makes me sleep at night (laughs) is that it's on their radar you know and this first of all as a chemist i am very concerned that we will not no longer have chemical filters not even as a chemist but as a user of chemical filters (laughs) you know that really struggles with minerals Mm -hmm. um that's a little terrifying that you know this may cause a knee-jerk reaction and people will just pull chemical filters, you know? Um, So I'm glad it's on their radar. Um, I think ultimately what this study did was just open a can of worms because they realized that not every ingredient applies to that that magic number of 0.5 right you know and and that's it, an ugly can of <laughs> yeah exactly um but it's on their radar and they will i i believe that just with the people that they're working right. with the how they conducted the study mm-hmm. um i i think we're in good hands you know right um i think another thing that you we discussed before was that um the studies that they do are not necessarily substantiated yet they're trying to use new methods yeah so there's they're also working so there are three prongs to testing right mm-hmm. now the fda themselves mm-hmm. um pcpc which represents the cosmetic industry mm-hmm. and then also on the university side so mm-hmm. academia is also involved mm-hmm. so, which is great yeah which is and honestly that's that's why these things can be so complicated mm-hmm. right um uh, on the on the academia side what they do a lot of times is that they try they're trying to validate uh, faster methods mm-hmm. so we can get better data but the thing with faster methods uh, another can of worms that kind of tie into this is animal testing but um <laughs> but basically when you do any sort of new test right mm-hmm. so let's say you have a human uh, biopsy mm-hmm. patch of skin mm-hmm. right and you want to test how it absorbs into that patch of skin yep. you can do that but you need to do you need to test it a thousand times and correlate it to a real human being test and see how those numbers actually, actually relate, correlate, to each, yeah. relate to each other. The good news is so far with that method, it seems like there's really good good correlation. correlation. Mm-hmm. Especially they also do it with drug studies like mm. nicotine patches and whatnot. Mm. And and it's very exciting. So now they're trying to bring over to sunscreen 
happy sign. Um, so those are all good things. And so yeah, just FYI, those things. People there are sprinting, trying to do it right and do it fast. Yeah. So and then here's our dilemma as people who are in the industry, but、mm-hmm. then also our chemists and then also our users is that. Yes, we want them to run fast, but running too fast can lead to things like the paraben fiasco. Right. You know, so that's why you know we understand that in some ways take all the time you need, but as a formulator, please don't kill off all the chemical filter. Right. And, and the things like it just sounds like a huge nightmare. They、mm-hmm. work so a lot of organiz- organizations have worked so hard to raise awareness around skin cancer,、mm-hmm. trying to get people to have better.、Um, Better sun protection habits all around,、mm-hmm. and honestly, I have never used a a physical only sunscreen that worked for my skin.、Mm. So I just know the number of people that can't find a physical filter sunscreen that works for them, right? And then they're so scared about the、uh, chemical sunscreen because of all these stuff that's going on right now that they just stop using、right. sunscreen, which is. Kind of terrifying. Yeah, and I do want to mention that、um, Ava Benzone is literally the only chemical filter that the U.S. can use for UVA. That's to get all the broad spectrum claims. That's、right. the long wavelengths that attribute to photo aging. And so, if that does get flagged, then that's pretty serious. Honestly,、right. that really will cripple the chemical filter family. Right. So, like, long story short, yes, it's complicated. We understand、um, the nuances and all of this,、mm-hmm. but whatever you do, what whatever you gather from all these information, please practice good sun protection yeah. habits. Yeah. Whether you choose to go for all physical、mm. or just. Not go out in the sun,、um, or use an SPF forty-five instead of an SPF a hundred. Right. Um. Double up on. <laughs> When we're in Asia, we also see a lot of ridiculous SPF rated yeah. clothing. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, agreed. Like that. That really is the most important thing. Is Um, let the FDA do their job, but please don't ditch your sunscreens.、Um, I actually had some like silly thoughts because of <laughs> all of this. So first thing was,、uh, is this really good advertising for good cleansing? Ooh, <laughs> like an- good cleansing of sunscreen off your body. We do another round of the same study, but this time they shower at night and we test、yeah. different cleansers. Exactly. <laughs> That's the next chemist confession study. <laughs> Uh, fund us here at www.fundthechemist.com. <laughs> yeah, and not so, not not a real URL, so don't send your money there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then、um, number two is, I feel like this could potentially start the sunscreen prohibition, where everyone just starts smuggling EU and Asian sunscreens into the US. I feel like a lot of followers already do. That. They definitely already do that, but I just feel like this just further highlights like. The difficulties behind U.S. sunscreens,、right. and then people are like, "Ooh, all the good stuff is in EU and Asia. Like, I gotta go get it there." And you'll just see it like just sold off of Facebook groups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's so true because、um, with the final monograph talks、um, in the past couple of years, every year is like, "Oh, is this a year that they're going to come out with it?" They keep talking about incorporating new ones, like、mm. the the EU and and Asia approved ones,、mm-hmm. and now. 
now it looks like instead of getting new ones, we're axing everything. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Um, also, I compiled some headlines that popped up after <laughs> the Ooh, FDA I haven't seen these yet. I'm very excited. <laughs> so I'm going to read you a few. And um, honestly, reading things, I just... I just keep thinking, poor, poor FDA. Like, what? it's just unfair, Who man. Who has to pick up those phone calls? I'm so sorry. Right. So, okay, from CNN. Seven sunscreens enters bloodstream after just one day of use, study says. Dun, dun, dun. Also, it's not seven sunscreens. They're each an ingredient. It's just not correct. Um, this one, I think, is hilarious from the Daily Mail. Sunscreens leach up to 360 times more toxic chemicals into the blood than the FDA allows, raising risks for liver and kidney failure, <laughs> study finds. It's like not even remotely accurate. <laughs> well, that's not what the study finds, though. <laughs> um, so from ABC7, this is actually in the Bay Area where we are. Metals from certain sunscreens stay in bloodstream up to 23 hours, FDA says. Also not accurate. So this one was hilarious because the, the, <clears throat> the professor from FDA who was speaking in the event actually mentioned this one. He's like, <laughs> I remember talking to this guy and I repeated, like, we were on the phone for a long time. I tried to explain the nuances mm. and the context of the mm. study. And I reiterate the position that FDA is not in any shape or form suggesting people ditch your sunscreen or sunscreen is dangerous. These are <laughs> preliminary understanding studies. Yada, yada, yada. And the next day he saw that headline, he just like, oh, <laughs> Poor, poor FDA. And he's poor like, when baby. did I even set the word metal? Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Let's see. There's another one. Philly voice. Sunscreen chemicals absorb into the bloodstream and stay there for days. For <laughs> days. Yeah. FDA study finds. And then I did want to applaud WWD. I really liked their headline. FDA study finds sunscreen ingredients absorbed into bloodstream. Further testing needed. And I feel like that those Is. last three words should go on to every headline. Thank you, WWD, for a balanced and an accurate headline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyways that wraps up our discussion oh, oh one more thing we've said yeah. this on, on instagram before yeah but this opened the floodgate to a lot of people buying like zinc oxide of amazon and oh. mixing it with their home blend of no. honey and like raw shea butter and selling it in a farmer's no. market we've seen jars of that around yeah. in like weird random farmer's markets <laughs> but yeah don't buy those don't use those like Again, cancer is still very, very serious. The thing with sunscreens, it needs to be an even film for yeah. it to work. Those home brews, likely A, you'll know what the SPF value is, mm. and B, they probably won't form that even tested. And I can so. guarantee you, first of all, filters in general are not easy to f play with. They suck. Yeah, <laughs> so take it from us when we say you do not want someone creating these in their kitchen with their kitchen aid. And then relying on this to protect you from skincare. That's all I'm going to say. Just like I've made way too many sunscreens and I just know that that's not how that's done. No. And, and trust me, uh, when we make sunscreens and the sheer number of iterations that may fail yeah. SPF testing yeah. is is insane, right? Yeah. It's, it's everything. It's the support ingredients. It's the formula itself. It's um, the stability of mm. it. 
it's it's just the processing is also really important, which the processing you can't get with a KitchenAid. So yeah, exactly. So that concludes the rent. Yeah. <laughs> so that actually leads us to a very fitting but very simple decode that IL top tip. So if you are shopping for a sunscreen in the states, this is what we think: just anything between an SPF 30 through 50. Chemical, mineral, it doesn't matter as long as it's broad spectrum. So you get both UVB and UVA protection uh, and you're willing to put it on daily. Please put it on. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's all you need. And hey, bonus points for hybrid BBs and foundations that just keep the layering to a min. um, So you don't really interfere with the sunscreen layer. Um, But yeah, it's time. Yay! We made it through a very <laughs> difficult subject. Yeah. Can't wait for the inbox to plug <laughs> with questions. <laughs> yeah, by all means, please um, send us questions if you are afraid or worried. Um, happy to ease your fears. Yeah, there's really, we're not worried. We're really. here for you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's time to break it up, Gloria. Oh my God! It. it it's Do time. It. Is it time? Yes, it is. <laughs> so it's time to break, 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 break it up. Break, break, break it up. <laughs> um. All right, so today it's my turn to share. <laughs> you don't like my parasitic tapeworm? And no, 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 no. This is, this is going uh, right okay, along okay. with that okay. today. Um, yeah, so this happened to be a blip on my Reddit radar, and I thought I would share. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about the bagworm moth. And Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It Wait, the bag who? The bagworm moth. I see. Yeah. So um, I would consider these the architect of pests. Um, they they're sexy. F- <laughs> I'm really trying here. So their formal name is the psychidae, um, which. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I know how that sounded. <laughs> psychidae. <laughs> Um, which means case moths, um, for their behavior of building these cases for themselves. And by cases, I mean, they're like basically tiny little houses. Um, honestly, they're like crop eating pests. So, you know, as a bug itself, its behavior is pretty normal. Um, in fact, there's one type in Madagascar that it's actually a nice source of protein. Mm, Just fun fact if you're in Madagascar. Madagascar. Um, but yeah, so each species actually makes its own unique type of case. And I want you to think of it as like a hermit crab of caterpillars. So what they do is they gather leaves, twigs, and whatever is lying around, and they build themselves like a little protective hut. So if, so, you, <laughs> so if you Google it, you'll see these like crazy little structures that they form. That's actually, it's actually really, really fancy. Right? They're like little Lincoln Log towers. Holy crap. Yeah, it's so impressive. They're definitely so. more skillful than me. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 
I guess something to add is that females, they're wingless, so they'll live in these little huts and basically until they die. Sounds like a great life. <laughs> they, the ultimate hermit life. And then yes. men will build these cases until it's mating season and they'll fly off. Oh, wait, um, so the men build houses for the women? No, 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 they build their, no, no, no. Oh, women they build women their still own. build their own houses. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, wait, wait, wait. Who can I find to build me a house and then they can fly home afterwards? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're going to um, include a couple of the images of these little towers. I bet y'all can wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, everybody, today it's all about the bagworm moth. Um Apparently, they're pests, so, you know, their species doesn't need any, like, tender loving care, so they're fine. <laughs> yeah. Usually, we talk about an animal that's, like, needs help in some form or fashion. Yes. So, um... Aside from the parasitic worms. I mean, they need affection. They hold each other until they die. <laughs> oh, so romantic. I know what I'm getting. Oh, so if you guys need Valentine's oh, Day ideas... Oh, that's right. It's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, babe. <laughs> I got you this jar of parasitic worms. It symbolizes our undying love. <laughs> monogamy. But the meaning, it's so deep. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, God. They're going to totally axe this section. <laughs> mm. All right. Q&A. So, yes, that wraps it up. It is time for our last section. It's our Q&A. Q, Q, Q&A. <laughs> uh, I keep getting vetoed because I keep coming out with these jingles, but they're not my jingles. It's basically whatever's on the radio. I and don't know how many times <laughs> I've had to cut out McDonald's. Sorry. Every time. It's like at least 10. <laughs> so now it's just <laughs> what happened to Jason Derulo's like there that that DJ sound? The yeah. Oh yeah, I, I I heard it a couple times myself, and that uh, it's time Aww. to move on. Oh, I kind of liked it. Q and A section. Woo! All right, okay. So for today's Q and A, um, just a couple. Actually, we got a comment about our previous. <laughs> episode which i mean we had to share so our friend quentin um actually explained to us what perso meant um mm -hmm. in our previous episode we had talked about l'oreal creating a personalized device that can custom create custom colored foundation um even skincare formulas um based on you know your actually based on an instagram page right yeah they yeah yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Can we sound more excited about that concept? <laughs> yeah, oh <my> personalized. <laughs> you can tell the alcohol is like really running out here. <laughs> um, but anyways, they named it Perso, and for the life of us, we had no idea what that was. We thought it was a typo for personalized. Um, but he actually explained that Perso is actually heavily used in France as a short word for personal. So thanks for the perso message. Did I use that yeah. right? <laughs> Did I use that right? Yeah. <laughs> Gora's uh, dying uh, in her chair. Uh, She's a raisin. I really, really like the punny stuff. Keep coming. Okay. All right. Real question. This one is actually from our friend Kira. All right. You're going to love this one. 
What do you think about microneedling rollers? I know there are a bunch of different sizes and rollers out there, and I've read that it stimulates collagen and reduces acne scars. However, I've also read that you shouldn't use it if you still have acne because it can spread bacteria on your face. Thoughts on this? So the studies behind derma rollers are, are very real. There are a lot of really good studies um, uh, behind using derma rollers to enhance penetration, mm. to strategically wound the skin, to stimulate collagen production. Mm. And um, it, it treats anything from like acne, scarring, pigmentation to hair loss mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it is it is all real but the big caveat is don't use it at home don't mm. use the home derma rollers because um first of all they're supposed to be single use mm. and a lot of uh, you can buy whatever online and it's not well educated so a lot of people will repeat use it and secondly you're not gonna get the the same um sharpness and length um as the ones you're gonna get at an esthetician or dermatologist office mm. so you're not really getting that awesome efficacy that you hear so much about mm-hmm. and instead you're just probably damaging your skin right so don't do it yes and as far as uh, c- sh- could you use it when there's active acne um consult your germ and your esthetician right um probably not <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. And question three. This one's from Philip. I have been using the Drunk Elephant Framboos for a while now, and I decided to incorporate the ordinary niacinamide and zinc. Will adding the niacinamide with the higher pH um, to the framboos, which has 12% AHAs, deactivate the acids because of the pH difference? Ew, we get a lot of questions about yes. layering and pH. Um... Yes and no, mm. is my opinion. So if you go to an office and you get a peel mm. and um, the pH is ultra low, I'm mm. talking about one. Yes. Low, um, you go through this step called neutralization um, when your skin reaches a certain stage, right? So yes, neutralizing the pH of the acid will quote unquote deactivate it. Yes. But home use acids are already at a pretty mild level. They have to be. Yes. For the safety of you. Yes. So... It, well, so the niacinamide serum is probably around pH of 5.5 to 6, mm-hmm. and the uh, frambruise is probably around a 3.5. Actually, I read that it's a little higher than that. I think it's yeah. a 4. Yeah. So when you mix those, will it make that big of a difference? Not, Not really. really. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and you'll hear people say, oh, leave, put on the acids first, leave it on for like 20 minutes and apply. So when you apply, um, when you apply different different pHs your skin mm. that change in pH that effect on your skin will last for like two hours mm-hmm. we've seen it from like cleanser studies when mm-hmm. they actively track changes in skin pH right so waiting 20 minutes is not gonna do jack so like it doesn't matter right yeah so long story short it's fine um while I bring down the efficacy maybe to some degree but it's not going to be significant right exactly so not really much to worry about with the layering of those two um yeah I think Overall, that pretty much covers it. Oh, it, we're, it's the end. It's, it's the, the end. end. <laughs> I, get to have, I get to have one more white Russian. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oatmeal. Is it even a white Russian? I don't, I don't know. So what should I name this drink, guys? Let me know. <laughs> An oat Russian. An oat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So what are we talking about next episode? I was thinking about doing acids, but. All right, fun fact. 
what we're working on this week is a launch of two new acid products um we've been we're we've been trying to get this going for actually over three to four months it was supposed to come out with baby steps but us being you know formulators and wanting to make sure every little detail is right it's taken till now for us to come out with the other two so um next time we actually do this episode we are going to do a heavy focus on acids and also kind of explain to you the our thought process behind ahas and bhas um yeah so submit your questions we will be celebrating acids with a whiskey sour so um so yeah thanks you guys for listening to us this week was really dense so thank you for making to the end yeah if you have questions you know where to find us fda.gov um, <laughs> you're just being a bully <laughs> not landlines are good <laughs> anyways thanks for listening guys hope you have a great week we will see you next time bye bye